Hi, this is Eli Nelson, and this is the My City Church Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. It is our prayer that this message will awaken you to come alive in the things of Christ. Enjoy the message. church is holy, as you are called to be holy, as he is holy. Can I tell you, can I, can I, can I kind of invite you into a deeper level with the Lord in that we're called to be like Jesus, to be holy like Jesus? The Bible calls it as not put our hands to things that, which would defile us. And uh, I want to, I want to take you a little deeper today and we're going to talk, we're going to throw the title up on the screen. We're going to talk about the invitation to holiness. The invitation to holiness. And we're going to be reading out of several different passages in the Bible. If you have your Bible, lift it up in the air. Let me see it. Come on. Come on. We're going to open up to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. A great way to find the, Ephesians, the book of Ephesians in the New Testament is all the I-A-Ns, like Thessalonians, Colossians, and Corinthians, and Philippians and Ephesians are all next to each other. Isn't that cool? Like, so you go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, and then you can find your verses at King Corinthians. You can all find all your Ians. Ians right in the middle of the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26. This is kind of in the context with a mar- within marriage, but Paul's saying the same way a man is married to a wife, so Christ is married to the church. We are his bride. And he says he, he, in verse 26, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Say holy. Say blameless. Say that's me what I'm called to be. I don't always feel like that at times. Anyone ever been there? Like, man, like, Jesus died for this? I've been there. I've been there far too many times that I'd be proud or happy to admit. Uh, but thank God for Jesus. Right? Thank God for his work in us to continue to renew us day by day, to put a right spirit in us that we would be holy and blameless before him, that he's renewing me day by day. Day by day isn't just a a term coined by the Huskers. (laughs) Day by day we get better and better till one day can't be beat, won't be beat. Day by day we get holier and holier before the Lord. He's continuing to transform us into the image and the likeness of Christ. That's God's desire for you. That's his mission for your life. Should you choose to accept it, it's up to you. That's what we're talking about today, the invitation of holiness. Lord, let's bow our heads and pray this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word. That's true. Would Would it convict us? Would it transform us? Would it renew a right spirit in us? Lead us in what it looks like to be your bride, to be your church, to be like Jesus. Things in our life where we may have compromised or just kind of put off limits to you. Holy Spirit, we invite you right now to lead our lives as you are the Lord of our lives. We thank you. We bless your name. Right now, church, if you're hungry for the Lord to speak to you, would you open up your hands? Say these words after me. Say, Lord, speak to me. I'm listening. In Jesus' mighty name, 
Amen. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for Jesus in this place. Oh, come on, we can do better than that. Every hand across this place. Lord, we praise you. You may be seated. He's presenting the church as a radiant church, holy and blameless to himself. The Bible's full of different passages of holiness. God is referred to holy and so holy, in fact, that when he came down to Mount Sinai in the book of Exodus, it, God warns the people, say, don't even come near the mountain. If you touch the mountain, you're going to die. Uh, because there is a level of God's holiness that, frankly, our humanity and our sinfulness, if we even come close to it, uh, it'll, it'll cause our lives to, to perish. It's kind of like the sun. Like, God is so holy and radiant. If, if you try to go close to it without a level of protection, you would, you would melt up. That's how holy God is. Uh, there's no no spot or blemish. Can I tell you, Christianity is not like the yin and the yang. And a little in all of a good, there's a little bit of bad. God's not like that. He is fully good. He is fully righteous. He is fully pure. And by the way, just that that screen went out. I'm gonna have you guys turn up the house lights just a little bit because we're gonna be diving into a lot of scripture. And I'd love for you to read along in your Bibles if you have them. Uh, be sure to pull them up. Maybe highlight them. Can I tell you, the Bible is the Word of God. It is authoritative. We don't get our doctrine and read it into the Word of God. We get our doctrine from the Word of God. We don't get our worldview from popular opinion or culture. We get our worldview from the Word of God. So the way that the act, the way that we act, the way that we talk, the way that we behave, the way that we vote, the way that we are in life, we pull and derive from the Word of God. Can I get an amen? amen. We believe in the Word of God here at My City Church. Every book, New Testament and Old Testament. We don't just pick certain things that we want. We don't go and say, well, tithing is just part of the, the Old Testament. It's not part of the New. Tithing is a kingdom principle. We know that because of Abraham. We know that because of Jacob. It's a kingdom principle. It's not about covenant. It's about kingdom. The Bible is about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God will steadily advance in this city, around this nation, around this world. Can I get an amen? We're Bible-believing church. The Bible talks a lot about holiness. One particular passage is in 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 14, 1 Peter is right before 2 Peter, if you need help finding that in the Bible. A lot of help, Pastor. Thank you. Glad I can help. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14 says, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. He's talking about a state of mind uh, that we used to be before we knew Christ. But he's also talking to believers in Christ. And I tell you, the moment that you accept Jesus into your life, that you make him the Lord of your life, you are actually on a journey of transformation. Say transformation. Transformation to be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. Any of y'all there yet? Kind of. I got my days. I got my days where I'm obedient, and I got my days where I'm selfish. To be like Jesus, that's what the Holy Spirit is working in our lives. He's talking to the children of God as obedient children. Why would he need to remind you, uh, why would he need to remind children if the moment that you start walking with the Lord, all of your desires go out the window, your evil desires go out the window? No, that's not the case. Uh, we're being renewed day by day. Verse 15, he says, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. So there's a level of action that is a part of the Christian walk. See, it's not necessarily to be one of faith, but it doesn't actually affect what you do. James said it this way, I will show you my faith by what I do. It's not necessarily the truth that you know, but the truth that you live that actually reveals your faith. We're called to apply it. Say apply it. 
It's about what you do. It's for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Peter's taking a reference from Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 19, specifically verse 2, uh, where God is referring to the assembly of Israel through Moses to tell the people to be holy from I am holy. And there's also some other passages, Leviticus 5, that uh, refer to that. Uh, Leviticus is full of a bunch of different types of regulations and laws. And if you're following our Bible reading plan that we have available on the Church Center app, you're in the book of Leviticus. And, and uh, um, Leviticus, Leviticus, you would have cussed too if you found out how many things that you had to do in order to be holy. <laughs> I, just, I don't know if that's wrong or sacrilegious or not. But there was all these things that God laid out through the v- book of Leviticus in order to separate his people, in order to make them different, say different. Can I tell you, it's okay to be different. It's okay to not to conform to culture. It's okay to not be like what you see in your school. It's okay to not be like what you see at your work. It's okay to be different. Say different. Say that's me. And that's okay. (laughs) It's okay. I love the little, the way you guys said, that's okay. It's okay to be different. God calls you to be different. Jesus was different. Jesus was different and the world could not accept him because they didn't know him, but you know him. You know him, so you're not alone when you're different. You're actually being like the one who called you, formed you from the miry clay, and he's forming you into his image. You're different. It's okay to be different. There was, God was separating the people of God in the book of Leviticus from the people of the territory. Not That wasn't all he was doing, but that was part of it, and part of it was he wanted to have a certain level of, 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 of cleanliness and purities amongst the people so that they could come before him, come before him in the outer courts, the inner courts, and what is known as the Holy of Holies. The high priest was the only one allowed to go into the Holy Holies, and that was once a year. That was the, the manifest presence of God here on earth to where the Bible says when the glory of the Lord filled the temple that it was so cloudy. Now, is this the presence of God or is this haze? I can tell you it's probably haze. And, um, but there's also a cloud that's a spiritual cloud. And that spiritual cloud descended upon the temple and the people weren't able to do any work. I say that because the high priest was able to go into the Holy of Holies once a year. Uh, but when that curtain was torn, when Jesus died on the cross, that basically said that the powerful presence of the Lord is no longer in the Holy of Holies, but we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That powerful presence of the Lord now dwells inside of you. Say, that's me. That's you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But back in the Old Testament, people could only go to the Lord, and the people had to stay on the perimeter. And you weren't actually able to go to the Lord if you had some kind of bodily discharge, like an oozing of a scab or some kind of bodily issue that caused you to bleed. And the priest could go. You couldn't. The priest actually couldn't go if they also had different issues. And it caused them to be unclean for at least a week. They had to be clean before they could go into the temple courts. But how many of y'all know that we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities? He actually can relate to us. He actually knows us. He, although being human, was human in the way that he was tempted just like us, but was known without sin. His name is Jesus. That he is God incarnate. Now he gives us his righteousness. The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus is bestowed upon us. He lived a perfect life, so we don't have to. Now, back then, everyone was doing things right in order to get to God, but Jesus flipped the script. Jesus flipped it and said, hey, how about I make you right, then you can come to me. How about you come to me first, 
and then I can make you right. That's how Jesus flipped it. So there's a passage in the New Testament, Mark chapter, tw- uh, ch- chapter 5, where there's a woman with an issue of blood. She wasn't able to go into the temple because she had been bleeding for 12 years. She went to many doctors trying to get healed from it, but she couldn't find any healing. And what did she do? She went to Jesus. Mark chapter 5, verse 25 says, And a woman there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, she had suffered great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. How many of y'all been in that place in your life where you sought trying to get better, but you've only gotten worse? I've been there. I tried to be set free from pornography. It only led to depression. I tried to be set free from depression. It only led to suicide. But in a moment, I met the chain breaker. His name was Jesus. His name is Jesus. He's continually breaking chains and transforming me to be like Jesus. That was over 16 years ago, and he's continuing to make me new day by day, day by day. Say day by day. When she heard about Jesus, she heard about Jesus. Can I tell you, she heard about Jesus, not from Jesus. She heard about Jesus from someone else that had encountered Jesus. Can I tell you, that's why it's important that you share what God has done in your life. Other people hear about Jesus through you. They learn about Jesus through you. What has Jesus done in your life? Why do you keep it a secret? Let's not do that anymore. Jesus has done so much in my life. I'm going to continue to shout from the rooftops what Jesus has done. She heard about Jesus, and it stirred in her an inquiry of him. Not an inquiry of the doctrine of Christianity, but inquiry of the person of Jesus. She came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Keep in mind, Jesus was referred to as a rabbi in that day and age. If the woman with the issue of blood had touched Jesus, she would have made him unclean, and he would not have been able to step into the court because a woman with the issue of blood had touched him. But how many of you know when we touch Jesus, we don't make him unclean. We actually become clean. When we come to Jesus, it's not about him, us transferring our uncleanliness over to him, but him transferring his cleanliness onto us. That's what happened. It wasn't that someone unclean. When we come to Jesus, can I tell you, he can handle all of your insufficiencies, all your difficulties, all of your sin. It's not about getting your life right, then coming to him, my friend. It's about coming to him, and in turn, he makes your life right. Well, I'm just going to stop looking at stuff for a week, and then he'll accept me. I'm going to stop drinking too much for a week, and then he'll accept me. I'm going to stop cussing for a week, then he'll accept me. I'm going to stop having my body dysmorphia and and bulimia for a week, and then he'll accept me. That's not what it's about. It's about coming to him first. He transforms us. Let me just get rid of this depression. How's that working for you? Can I tell you, he is the one that can transform us. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He cares for you. You are a child of the Most High God. And to be able to go to your dad, your father in heaven, the one who knows you the most, and he accepts you even the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. That's why you come to him and then let him work on you. You don't work on you and then come to him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Jesus is referring to a passage, or this, I'm referring to a passage in Numbers chapter 19, verse 22, if you wanted to. To, to look. Can I tell you that no amount of your church determines, coming to church determines your standing with God. Holiness is not found in a duty. It's found in a person. Whole, no matter how much you serve at church, no matter how much you read your Bible, no matter how much you pray, oh, I prayed today. 
so God loves me and God accepted me. Yes. But that doesn't determine your holiness. Holiness is found in a person. Transformation comes from that person. Not for them, but from them. To not find your identity in what you do. Can I tell you, worship team, you don't find your identity in what you do. You find your identity in who you know. Group leaders, you don't find your identity. Now that I'm leading a group, I must be more pleasing to the Lord. No, 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 no. You find your identity in who you know. Do you know him? Do you know Jesus? Do you walk with him? Do you know what makes him happy? Do you know what makes him sad? Do you know what makes him angry? Do you know what makes him excited? To be able to be holy like he is holy. Ephesians 1, chapter 4 says this. It says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. That's his desire for us, all of us, to be holy. Which means that we don't stop short until it happens. We don't settle, well, I'm just kind of holy. We are all on a journey, and it doesn't matter how checkered your past is or how pure your past is. We are all on the same pathway, and that is after Christ. So I don't care where you've come from. We're all going to the same place. That is to be like Jesus, to live like Jesus, to love like Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen. Say, that's me. that's me. I want to be like him. Say, I want to be like him. We want to be like Jesus. He wants us to be holy. He wants us to be like him. Now, when you give your life over to Jesus, it can be complicated because he's redeemed your soul, but you're still in your flesh. Paul said it like this, I don't know what I want to do, what I don't want to do, I do what I do, what I don't want to do, who will save me from <laughs> this wretched man that I am, thanks be to God. Can I tell you, God is working in your life. Do you give him permission to work? Do you accept that invitation to holiness, to be like Christ? Do you accept it? When you're dating someone or you choose to marry them, you don't really accept that invitation um, with certain parameters that allow you to be promiscuous. Will you be my, will you marry me? You could say, yes, I'll marry you, except on Fridays, I have a lot of boyfriends. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> will you marry me? Except on Fridays, I got a lot of girlfriends. And I mean, no one in their right mind would say, yeah, like, I'm fine as long as I have you six days a week. Can I say God's, God to you is more than a weekend God. He's called to be Lord of your life, not Lord in your life. He's called to be Lord of all, not Lord of some. To be able to surrender your whole life to him, that's what it means to be transformed into his image, to be like him, not to follow him with stipulations. God, I, I thank you for salvation, but this part of me, God, I still kind of want it. Like, And I want to say today that God understands that, but he doesn't want you to stay in it. That the best life that he is calling you to, he's not calling you from that because he's trying to keep something from you. He's trying to show you the best way to live. He's trying to show you that you don't find fulfillment in those men. He's trying to show you that you don't find fulfillment in that drink. He's trying to show you that you don't find fulfillment in those riches. I don't care who you are. I've seen far too many celebrities that had it all had all the money in the world, but they're still suffering from depression and suicidal. They still look like their lives are miserable. And the Bible has a lot of different answers in life, and one of them is to keep yourself from the love of money. 
One of them is to be able to understand and be content in all situations, to have the joy of the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you, joy is more than just a laughter. Joy is more than just happiness. Joy is being able to take a walk on a dark night and to be able to jump up and down on a sidewalk. Because you know that Christ is working in your life, that your salvation is secure. And no matter what you are facing tonight or tomorrow, you know who holds you. There's a level of confident assurance. It's a level of faith. That's what the Holy Spirit brings. I could go on and on into different types of uh, uh, attributes that the Holy Spirit brings to your life. Bottom line is anything outside of God brings unfulfillment. James chapter, I want to say it's 1. 16, something like that, says all, the, all good and perfect gifts come from the Lord. So if it's not from the Lord, it's not good and perfect. So when God is asking something from you, can I tell you, he is inviting you to something more, something better. Should you choose to find your life, you have to lose it for my sake. To be able to lay down your life and say, God, nothing in my life is off limits that is the invitation to holiness. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. So you can say, make every effort to be holy, the writer of Hebrews is saying. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace, God, grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile Many. Interesting that he says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And the Bible says that a lot of people will see the Lord. <laughs> so that every, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Remember, he's coming back to judge the living and the dead on a white horse with a tattoo in his leg, a sword coming out of his mouth, and fire in his eyes. I think he's got white hair, too. He's <laughs> I don't know if he's got long hair or not, but he's coming back. So everyone's going to see him, right? I only had like five people. That, like everyone's going to see him, right? Yeah. That's you. You're going to see him. I'm going to see him. Everyone's going to see him. So what's Hebrews talking about? It says they won't see the Lord. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Interesting, interesting that God told Moses, you can see me, but you can only see the back of my head. You can only see my back. You can't see my face, right? The glory of the Lord is revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. This is a passage, I think, is in Corinthians. It talks about, can I tell you that the face of Jesus has been revealed, and we actually have access to see the holy side of God. But without holiness, none of us will see it. What does it mean to see God? What does it mean to know God? Can I tell you, you can minister before man, but only few minister before the Lord. That's in Ezekiel chapter 44 kind of reveals that, the level of holiness that, that is asked of people in order to be able to minister to the Lord, if you wanted to look up on it a little deeper. But for, for us right here in this room, that was referring to the priest. Can I tell you that there is a level of holiness that God is calling us to because he wants to reveal more of himself to you. He wants to show himself, and he wants you to see him, and he wants to show you who you are in him. But then it just goes in this idea, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. How do you fall short of the grace of God? It's an interesting idea. I don't think it's necessarily talking about the salvation grace because it's referring to seeing God and it's referring to holiness. It's not referring to salvation. But there is a level of grace that is received in order to live holy. 
can I implore to you that grace is so much more than saving grace. It is actually a power beyond salvation to transformation. Grace isn't only the means by which we are saved. It is the means by which we are changed. It is the means by which we are transformed. God is inviting you to understand that his grace is what changes you. You don't change in order to see his holiness. You receive his grace. His grace has transformed your life. It is transforming your life. You don't have to quit everything in order to see God. But you yield over to his grace, which is also referred to as his power in your life. Grace is this. Grace is referred to in the strong concordance as the divine influence upon the heart. To transform the heart. And that's what his grace is doing. Falling short of the grace means that you stop that influence. I received that salvation, but that influence, the Bible refers to it as a callousing of the heart. To be like Jesus gives him permission to say no to things, even things that we like. Even things that aren't necessarily bad. But if they're not what God wants for us, that's what it means to live a holy life. God, I don't care if it's good. If you've called me to abstain from it because I love you and I'm yielding over to you, that's my heart's desire. I'm going to lose my life for my sake so that I can find it. I'm going to lose my life so that I can find it. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says this. This is referring to Paul's thorn in his side. He says, my grace is sufficient to you, for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Notice the correlation. My grace is sufficient. My power, grace in that context is referring to the power in order to transform you. It's sufficient in your life. Can I tell you, he's not out of grace for your life. The things that you feel like, man, if I could just get beyond that, God wants you to get beyond that. To continue to surrender to him, those little details. And here's the thing about those little details. The big thing that you might be trying to move on from your life might be overcome by just making a small little adjustment. I'm trying to quit drugs. Maybe you just quit some of those friends. Well, I'm trying to quit, you know, whether an addiction to, <laughs> this is an amazing thing. Alcoholism is seldom the, the root. <laughs> it's just the fruit. So I run to it because I'm depressed, depressed. Maybe, maybe I don't feel like I'm advancing in life. Like, I really thought I would be making enough money right now to not just take care of my family, but to give my family the life that I want. So I internalize my deficiency. I internalize my inadequacy. And I cover it up through alcoholism. Like, if you just got a perspective on that your Heavenly Father isn't looking at the, your value based off the amount of money that you make, and even your kids aren't even looking at you hoping their dad will take them to Disneyland. What good is it to have all the money in the world but your father's never present? Can I tell you, your kids are more interested in being with you. It doesn't matter what they do. They just want to be with you. And it's not about where you take them. I took my kids to Charlotte two and a half years ago, and I talked to them about it. They're like, we've been to Charlotte? I'm like, yeah, it cost me like 1500 bucks to get you guys there and back. Like, you don't remember that? But you know what they do remember is the game we played in the hotel. I have a video of it. I'm like, you guys remember that? Because it's about who they're with. And, and so the inadequacy, I need to give my kids the world 
It's actually rooted in a lie. All you really needed to give your kids was yourself. So you have more than you need to be the man and father and mother that God called you to be. That's freeing for someone in here today. Like, so you don't need to run to it to find, to, to, to run away from how you feel. Like God's saying, you're doing a good job. So don't drink yourself to the point where you feel like you're not. Don't drug yourself to the point where you feel like you're not. Don't, don't numb out through video games and TV to the point that you're thinking like you're not. Oh, I'm talking about it all today. Don't eat yourself to the point that you feel like you're not. We could talk about laziness. We could talk about gluttony. We could talk about all these different things. But what I'm telling you today is his grace is sufficient for you. And so he didn't give up on you. Why did you give up on his work in you? That's the invitation of holiness. The invitation to holiness, the invitation to live a holy life, his grace is sufficient. Sufficient. Say sufficient. It's more than enough to keep working in you. We try to be more holy, but can I tell you, we can't. Not on our own. Holiness is the byproduct of pursuing God. He said, without holiness, no one will see God. Well, what's he referring to? I think he's referring to, the writer's referring to John chapter 14, verse 21. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Again, a lot of people know a lot about God. What separates the two is what you do with what you know about God. What you believe is determined by what you really do. And so when you see things that you do that don't necessarily align with what he's spoken, it's not a question of doing more willpower and strong-arming it. It's a question of what you really believe about God's work in your life. And that's okay, as long as we know where we're at, to be able to see, man, I did this. Hmm. I must really not believe in the omnipresence of God. He's with me wherever I go. Man, I did this, like, I must not really believe the all-sufficiency of God. Like, I cheated on my paycheck to get a little bit more money. I must not really believe that God is my provider. All it is is an indicator. So our actions can be great indicators to what we really believe. To have the self-awareness and look back on what did I do, it must be indicative of what I believe. What do I not believe about God, or what do I believe about him that isn't lined up in his word? Having all that you need so that you can abound in every good work. Well, I didn't give money to the poor person on the side of the street because I didn't feel like I had enough to pay rent. Having all that you need so that you can abound on every occasion. I must not really believe it. That's okay. The Holy Spirit's trying to take you on a journey and saying, hey, this is where we're going. Here's some of the things that we need to leave behind. Amen? I'll share you with this last passage, and then we'll stand to our feet and we'll close. A farmer once went out, and he was plowing a field. This is the idea of holiness and how we, God is fully holy, but we're also called to apply ourselves to that holiness, to be able to know him, to pursue him as he transforms us. That's what he's calling us to. A farmer plows his field, sows the seed, and fertilizes and cultivates, all the while knowing that in the final analysis, he is utterly dependent on forces outside of himself. He knows he cannot cause the seed to germinate. 
nor can he produce the rain, although he could maybe plow out and get some water there and water it daily, but he can't produce the sunshine for growing and harvesting the crop. For a successful harvest, he is dependent on things from God. Yet the farmer knows that unless he diligently pursues his responsibilities to plow, plant, fertilize, and cultivate, he cannot expect a harvest at the end of the season. In a sense, he is in a partnership with God, and he will reap its benefits only when he has fulfilled his own responsibilities. You want to see the Holy Spirit keep working in your life? It's a lot like soap. It's a lot like planting a seed. Reinhard Bonnke used this illustration to an atheist that he was interviewing, being forced into an interview by. And the atheist was asking the question, God's been a, Jesus died 2,000 years ago. We still see a lot of evil in the world. It must not have worked. He said in response to this, he said, well, well, 1,500 years ago, we invented soap. And there's still a lot of really dirty people. Can I tell you, the transformation does not come in the invention. It comes in the application. Because I got a bar of soap. It's Duke Cannon. It's known as a big donkey brick of soap. I bought it because a portion of proceeds benefit U.S. veterans. That's right. It reminds me of my grandpa. My grandpa was a World War II Marine. Hoorah. Right? And so I bought it. I'm like, yeah. But how many of y'all know it's not going to do any good in the box? It's not going to do any good in my hand. We could stare at it all day and be like, think clean, think clean, think clean. But it ain't going to clean you, my friend. When is it going to start to clean you? When you start to use it. When you start to apply it. It's the same way with holiness. You want God to start working in your life? I was talking to a friend after this last service, and I said, hey, you're going to be at this, we're, we're doing this course tonight. And he's like, nah, probably not. I'm like, how come? Well, just don't know if it's working. I was like, it's been one week. You're going to give up that quick? I think a lot of us do that. He said he's going, he's like, all right, fine. Like, I got to apply. I'm like, yeah, you got to apply. You got to keep doing it. Keep reading the word. Keep praying. Watch how he transforms you. You may not be who you want to be, but I can, I can sure as bet you're not who you used to be. I'm not perfect. I'm not holy by God's standard. I am righteousness of God in Christ, yes. But he's continuing to renew me day by day. Say day by day. He's transforming me. He's renewing me. He's making me like Christ. And he is also doing that to you. Would you stand to your feet this morning? All right, so I wrote this down. An invitation to make him Lord of your life. Should you accept that means that it is no longer your life. Does God have access to your life to say no to something in your life? Is he really Lord if he's not allowed to say no? Which I thought about that for a moment. And I was like, well, not necessarily, because that would mean that 
if I say yes to something that he said no, then he's not really Lord of my life, which kind of doesn't really communicate all of what scripture, I do what I don't want to do, what I don't want to do, I do. Like, that doesn't necessarily make sense because he can be Lord of my life and I can still live in sin to an extent. See, I don't think God comes at us explicitly saying no, which is how a lot of us have defined holiness. Don't do this, do this. Don't watch this, watch this. Don't talk like this, talk like this. We won't cuss in church, but we cuss right after we leave church. Like, well, I'm not, can't do that around the Lord. Like, <laughs> omnipresent, he's everywhere. Like, <laughs> it's just indicative of what you believe. Like, oh, you're like, okay. I don't think necessarily when we take things in our life and we do it, even though God says no, I, I don't think Jesus is necessarily saying no. That's part of it. But I think more so he's saying this word, come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden. The bride says, come. Jesus says, come. He says, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Come follow me, and I will make you holy. Holiness happens and is a byproduct of our pursuit after him. The invitation to holiness is an invitation to follow Jesus with nothing off limits to him. That's the invitation to holiness. And it's an invitation, which means that you can accept it or reject it. And I'm here today as an ambassador to invite you before God and man to publicly profess, Lord, I want to be holy like you. And if I'm talking to you to, today and you're saying, Pastor Eli, I want to be holy like God. And I want to give him permission to work in my life. Would you lift up your hands today? Lift up your hands today. This is before you and the Lord. This is before you and man. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Don't put them down. I can see fingers even though you've got your kids. I can see fingers. God sees your heart. All right? Holy Spirit, would you work in our lives? Holy Spirit, would you transform us? Lord, we invite you right now to work in our lives. Keep your hands up today. You're calling out to the Lord. God, I repent from those times where I've picked up my own life to walk in my own strength. Holy Spirit, would you renew a right spirit in me that I would walk with you all the days of my life. Lord, would you be Lord of our lives. Continue to transform us, renew our minds, renew our hearts. Holy Spirit, search us. Let us know if there's areas where we become calloused, where we've said are off limits to you, our whole lives. We lay at your feet and we praise you and we declare holy is your name, Lord. Sing it out. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If this message encouraged you, help us get the word out. Consider sharing it with a friend, rating, or subscribing. If you want to know more about our church, check out our website at mycitychurch.cc or our Instagram at mycitycentral. We look forward to sharing another encouraging word with you next week. God bless.